Wrestling fans, are you ready? This is Tuesday. You people bought a ticket to see me, so shut up. Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood. First of all, Dusty Rhodes, I think what you are is a big, ugly, low-class, redneck goose. That's what I think you are. Yeah, I put it. I know I put it. But I'm most of all, the baddest man around in the world today. Follow the show at WrestlingTWT on Twitter and Instagram. But remember, my fireflies, as always, I'll light the way. And all you have to do is let me in. Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. The bottom line is, in all my magnificence, you're going to be mine. Here's Jonathan Hood. It's Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Jonathan Hood with you here on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. We ask you to go to YouTube, YouTube youtube.com. Check out Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday for previous conversations you might have missed. Also, you can follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at WrestlingTWT. We turn to Josh Lopez from ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Also, you can check the podcast for Josh at The Hoots Podcast. WrestleMania taking place mostly at the Performance Center Orlando. It was a unique event because it was one of these things where it wasn't 80,000 people. It wasn't 13,000, 14,000 people in an arena. It was at the Performance Center, and under the circumstances, the men and women for the WWE really worked hard. They worked really hard because... It is WrestleMania, and so you are used to the wrestlers stepping up and taking another step, and they did that definitely under very difficult circumstances, ultimately doing it at a soundstage. And we turn to Josh Lopez right here on ESPN 1000. Josh, as always, I appreciate your time. Thank you, Jay Hood. I appreciate you, my man. How's it going? It was, it was. I'm going. It's going well because I want to just take my hat off to the men and women for the WWE that really worked hard. A two night event. First of all, what do you think of the um, kind of Wrestle Kingdom, New Japan type style of two nights for WrestleMania? What do you think of that? Well, now that I can reflect on both shows, um, I think that WrestleMania had more. Um, stories to be told throughout the two nights where as opposed to Wrestle Kingdom, a lot of the show uh, from the mid card was filled with tag matches and the attraction for Wrestle Kingdom was the double uh, double gold dash uh, match to determine the double champion, right? But WrestleMania had basically <laughs> tried to fit in as much wrestlers from the company, but also still able to tell stories for each of the characters who were on both shows. And like you said, I got to give a shout out to every single performer that participated in those shows. Uh, whether you enjoyed the matches or not, you could tell the effort was there. And um, uh, for the most part, I, it was a pretty easy experience to cover uh, from a transcript point of view um, uh, with, the, with the exception of the cinematic matches that we got. But we'll get to that in a couple minutes. Your question. Um, so I want to start there and talk about night one. Really, the highlight was that Boneyard match with The Undertaker taking on AJ Styles. And it just shows you, the first thing I was thinking of once I started seeing it rolling, Josh was thinking, man, 
the WWE rolling out the WWE films for this. There's a reason why they have a movie company because they can do right. something like this. And I'm thinking, okay, that's a good use of the WWE films department. And so just watching how that looked, it, it gave The Undertaker to me a different gear. And, and we've seen him in a lot of different incarnations. This is more like Biker Taker, which is great. Um, but him taking on AJ Styles, neither guy took a step back. Even though AJ ends up losing the, the match, I think it did great for both. That gave The Undertaker new life for a guy that's really up in age. I totally agree with you, uh, Hoodie. And here's the thing I was thinking about as I was watching this match. I think for us wrestling peers like yourself and myself, like thinking about this from a context point of view, we had a TNA guy not only main eventing a part of what WrestleMania was going to be with The Undertaker, but also a TNA guy also being part of stealing the show or that weekend, if you will, since we're talking about both nights. Um, I thought the layout was really good. I'm really happy for Undertaker. I'm partially biased. I, the Undertaker has always been my all-time favorite character in professional wrestling. And um, you could tell this is something that he needed for himself personally and also just the character in general. And um, it was really fun just the hearing the Metallica music in the background. He definitely knew Triple H was a part of that as well. So mm -hmm. <laughs> um, the Boneyard match uh, far exceeded my expectations, you know, to get Gals and Anderson in there. Yeah, obviously they're the, uh, the heaters for AJ Styles, but also at the same time, they weren't made out to look like complete jabronis either. So uh, I really enjoyed the Boneyard match. The Universal Championship on the line as Goldberg, the champion, took on Braun Strowman. It's a longer conversation that you and I have to have about the fascination that Vince McMahon has in a 50-plus-year-old Goldberg, a WCW guy, it continues right. to win the Universal Championship. But it's kind of what you think. It's like when Goldberg's in there, if he's going to lose the title, it's not going to be a long match. This is supposed to be where Roman Reigns is supposed to win. Roman Reigns not available, of course, because of COVID-19, one and two. Uh, someone who's gone through uh, cancer before. He's not part of this matchup, so it's Braun Strowman that wins the Universal Championship. And quite frankly, if Braun Strowman's not in this spot, he's in the big show role of just you know, being a big guy, doing stunts, but not necessarily considered seriously a contender or a champion. It's good for Braun Strowman because I think he, get, he got his uh, with the win against Goldberg. I don't. Uh, not only is it good for Braun Strowman, I think it's good for the SmackDown brand because uh, when you look at Braun's career, his best feuds have always been with Roman Reigns. So um, whenever this pandemic can simmer down a little bit and we get these shows back in the arenas and everybody come back to these shows, uh, Roman and Braun have always had good chemistry with each other in their matches and their feud with each other. And I think it would be a hot program for the SmackDown brand because you got talent and you get, you got good matches, but um, there hasn't been one like grueling hot feud for the world title since SmackDown's came on Fox, and I think uh, you could uh, capitalize on that because hey, Roman's still going for the title he never lost. He decided to make a decision for his family, and I totally respect that. And now he's going after a guy who took his spot 
and they have history with each other. So I think there's some good business, not only for Braun Strowman, but just the SmackDown brand in general with that decision. Go to uh, ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com to talk to Josh Lopez. He joins me, Jonathan Hood, on Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app as we talk about WrestleMania taking place uh, over the weekend. The Raw Women's Championship with Becky Lynch against Shayna Baszler. You don't worry about time, I think, because it's WrestleMania. It's a two-day event, but I, I thought the match could have been a little bit longer just based on the build, Josh. I mean, uh, and just the placement of Becky Lynch as Raw Women's Champion if she is the man, and this is, again, this is something that we need to talk about as far as where, where is Becky Lynch amongst the best in the WWE from a marketing standpoint where the fans are? I mean, I, I, I would imagine there's going to be more to this, but the crescendo to any feud should take place at WrestleMania. It shouldn't have to boil over. And I just thought that the match could have been better. I thought it was no better than a B plus, B minus uh, and I'd like to see more from them if this is going to be the case. I just thought we we're going to see a little bit of a longer contest. You know, if there was a match on either nights that were affecting the most without a crowd, just based on how I originally thought this match was going to go, it was going to be this one because if this was in the stadium and this was the full, like, eight-hour WrestleMania instead of the two-night hoodie, uh, I thought Shayna would definitely be walking out of Tampa with the title. Um, I, I was kind of disappointed, too. I just thought the, the match layout was a little all over the place. Um, it's not really my beef about Shayna losing. It's just I don't know what you do with Becky Lynch after this point. I mean, we talked about it in the past that her character seems to be all over the place. And I was not expecting her to be a champion for an entire calendar year. So uh, you kind of put yourself in the corner here. So obviously there's the end game and these two are going to continue to feud with each other. But uh, I just thought the match layout was odd. And if given the circumstances, if we didn't have to deal with this pandemic, I think we would have a different result. That's just my opinion. That's fair to say. I, I just... I just need to understand where Becky Lynch is amongst the pecking order of the WWE. We understand that we're in this post-era where there isn't one person that dominates uh, and, and tra you know, transcends the company. Uh, yeah. Because this is not Stone Cold Steve Austin, John Cena, Hogan, you know, Backlund. It's, it's, this is not uh, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels. We're not in that. So if Becky is the man, shouldn't she be placed better in the card that seemed like she, that seemed like just a, a middle card match and she's the champion right no i agree and here's another point if you're in that same tier and that same level of let's say even like trish stratus when she was an active wrestler because she was one of the main attractions obviously when that was going on in the attitude era you look at becky lynch Every time she's won a big match, it was either a roll-up or some type of odd pinning combination. Look, she had a crucifix on Ronda Rousey. That's how she beat her at WrestleMania last year. Uh, on Saturday, she pulled off some type of Bret, Bret Hart flip-over thing yeah. <laughs> on Shayna Baszler to retain her title. I, 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 what does that do for Becky, you know? What what's, message does it say? Okay, you're saying you're going to beat the crap out of Shayna Baszler, but you want to just all smarter? Like, you got to make up your mind which uh, from the storytelling aspect, which I just thought it was a little flat 
You know, you're going after this MMA fighter. uh, She caused you to literally bleed in your back. She bit your back, uh, back of your neck, right? Yeah. And you're going for a Bret Hart roll-up? Really? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it was a little bit of a disconnect for me. Um, the other part of um, night one that stood out is the Intercontinental Championship with Sami Zayn versus Daniel Bryan. Now, Josh, yes. we, we have seen these two before, uh, and we on paper, if you say it's Sami Zayn versus Daniel Bryan, you would think that's a 30-minute classic that should steal all of WrestleMania, but that's not how Sami Zayn is portrayed. Sami Zayn is no, no more than a, really a manager uh, for Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro. So right. he's on the back pedal the entire time. And it, it, it reminded me of Bobby Heenan when he had to be a, a, a wrestler, even though he mostly was a manager. When he was in there, he's always in the back pedal. He's always taking a, a potter to the outside, didn't want to get touched. And then when you do, he does get touched, now he gets beat down. Um, it's just a, a little bit of a disconnect for me because... This could have been written as Sammy. It could have been Cesaro showing Sammy Zayn when he was at NXT. Look, you can take on Daniel Bryan. You can do this. And they're right. showing like the old films, like they're in a locker room area. And Shinsuke is pointing at the screen saying, yeah, you know what? You can face Daniel Bryan. You can beat him because look at this when you were the NXT champion. Look at all these great. I mean, they could have built it that way where it could have been a classic you know that that's a classic, but because Sami Zayn is this chicken shit, you know what? Now he's got to be in the backpedal against Daniel Bryan, and him stepping outside, you know, every time—that's not WrestleMania to me. That's more like Raw or SmackDown. Uh, and so I wish that was a better match, but it was what it was. I can see where you're coming from with that, and well, just from my point of view, I, I the whole trio of Nakamura, Zayn, and Cesaro is a disconnect for me. Because I don't think neither of the three need to be in a group with each other, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't think Nakamura needs to be a heel. Um, I know how good of a wrestler Cesaro is. He could be on his own accord. And then Sami Zayn, while I'm not I'm not one of the wrestling fans that just, like, marks all the time for the heels, like, I appreciate Sami Zayn, the wrestler. And he, also the good part about him is that he annoys me, and I'm a fan of his. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good thing. Uh, but... Just uh, when it came to the match, um, we could have had a, a different presentation than what we saw on Saturday. But once Daniel did get his hands on Zane, I thought the physicality portion of that match was pretty good. Uh, but yeah, it did not have that WrestleMania feel. It felt like, um, you know, just given the circumstances with this event in general, I felt like maybe they wanted to take uh, WrestleMania this year as a opportunity to continue some feuds as opposed to prior WrestleMania's where feuds would end or you get that 25 minute grueling match to settle a title feud so I this disconnect with that trio and I thought the only reason why that kept going because obviously these guys are going to continue feud with each other so that's that's my thoughts on that where do you place Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins amongst the best matches for for night one it's up there more from a storytelling aspect, I think, you know, I know it's, it was a little different for everybody to get adjusted to watching a full-length show without commercial breaks with no fans in the crowd, right? You know, we had the uh, women's tag match that went like 
15 minutes or so. <laughs> so mm-hmm. this is, you're getting accustomed to the feel of longer matches with no fans in the building. And you hear the um, guys talk smack to each other, especially Kevin Owens, right? He's saying stuff that I can't mention on FCC airwaves. Uh, right. <laughs> Seth Rollins. And I just thought the storytelling in that match was really good. I, I Non-cinematic related, this is definitely either the top three or the top five matches that I saw this weekend. All right, uh, we are reviewing night one of WrestleMania with Josh Lopez from ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. You can follow him on Twitter at The Hoots Podcast. When we return, we'll take a look at night two of WrestleMania taking place at the Performance Center of Orlando. You're listening to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Every Tuesday night, we give you the best in pro wrestling and sports entertainment conversation right here on ESPN 1000. Welcome back to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the brand new ESPN Chicago app. We're talking about WrestleMania taking place in Orlando with Josh Lopez from ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. As we have our conversation, uh, check out the Hoots podcast wherever you download your podcast for Josh. And don't forget to follow along on Twitter and Instagram, our show, uh, on Twitter and Instagram at WrestlingTWT. Night two of WrestleMania. Um, Want to get your thoughts about uh, the women's championship for NXT, Rhea Ripley against Charlotte Flair. Josh, I honestly believe from a wrestling standpoint, in-ring standpoint, that was the best match of all of WrestleMania. I agree with you. That felt like a takeover. Yeah. <laughs> I'm you get a takeover match at a WrestleMania. Um, man... I think Charlotte said it really well in her recent interview on Get Up, where she was saying that she hopes she gets remembered as just one of the best wrestlers of all time. I mean, it's so simplistic to say, oh my God, Charlotte's the greatest in-ring female wrestler of all time. She's, In my opinion, she's the best pure wrestler on the WWE roster, male or female. She's that good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, she brought another level, another gear in Rhea Ripley that we haven't seen in her other matches besides the one she had with Shayna Baszler. And, man, <laughs> just to pull that off, you know, sometimes, I, I, I'll be honest with you, Hoodie, I was just sure how they were going to go about you know, working body parts or having rest holds <laughs> during these matches, you know, like how, how would that convey to the people watching at home? You know, sometimes you would get bored watching rear chin locks and stuff and leg locks and all this stuff in the arena. Picture doing that with no fans in the crowd, but they're still able to tell a physical story. And yeah, I understand that people are maybe compl- uh, content and tired of seeing Charlie Wayne titles at WrestleMania, but she's just that good, and I don't think Ripley was affected by this one bit. No, absolutely not, because she's 22, 23 years of age, so she's got time. Um, I know that online people are complaining that you know this should have been more of a surprise victory for Charlotte and that Rhea Ripley doesn't uh, lose via submission. It's okay. It, it's, it's okay because Charlotte Flair is that good. She's her dad with offense. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's who she is. I mean, let's just be honest. Like uh, Rick's never been that aggressive, even as a baby face. He's never been that good. Um, but she's she's just a special talent. And if that's going to be a rivalry NXT, and that's going to drive more people to watch NXT on Wednesday nights, I, I, that's actually the reason why she's the champion. Because now you get a main roster person, quote unquote, now on NXT. Now it's a a much watch, just like everybody else in the company. Right. 
And now down the road, this this feud could main event a particular takeover now. And I, I think that's a good thing for the titles, good for Rhea Ripley once uh, she eventually takes the title off of Charlotte as well. So I thought it was some good business there. And a good decision to start off that match for night two. Um, the only, I, I thought it would have a different match start off night one. That would probably be one of the things that was a takeaway from mine over the weekend. But I thought that was the right match to start off night number two. No question. It was my favorite match on WrestleMania. I think they stole the show. Uh, we scroll down to, oh, God. The last man standing match with Edge versus Randy Orton. <clears throat> okay. So... This had one of the best builds because of the rivalry. That was not that's not sports entertainment we were watching, Josh. That's pro wrestling. Because Correct. because yes. because that is Edge being away for 9 years with the bad neck, Randy Orton who is evil and we've always known that he's evil. He was able to turn the notch up to 11 in a big way uh to for this build. They had one of the most uh, interesting matches because the last man standing. Here's my issue: it's okay. it, it's not as much. It's not that it was 35 minutes and it was long. My issue is is that I already know what that building and the performance center looks like because we saw something like that from Gargano and Ciampa. Right. That's it. That's, that's the thing. I already know what that building looks like because they were all over the building. So if you if they're not fighting all over the performance center on NXT, if that never happens, and I see Edge and Randy Orton, I go okay, I get it. They're at the they're in the storage area, they're in the office, they're in the gym, they're throwing equipment around. Like okay, I get that, but I already saw this two weeks ago. So 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 that no blame me as a wrestling fan. Poor me, I've already saw this, but Edge and Randy Orton did. You know, five, three or four times more than what Ciampa and Gargano did fighting in the same facility. You know, I was waiting for Edge to spear Randy Orton off the perch. You know, <laughs> just like Ciampa did that air raid crash oh, off the man. perch the table. <laughs> Jeez, like like, the, um, like like a fight like that in in wrestling parlance, they should never wrestle again. But who knows? I think this continues. I do think this continues. Um, you know, the you're totally right. The build for this match was definitely pro wrestling. It reminded me similar to uh, the feud that Shawn Michaels had with Chris Jericho uh, towards the end of 2008. Summer, I think it was the summer of 2008. It was Michaels and Chris Jericho, just a deeply personal feud. And they had, a, a I think they had like a three-pay-per-view feud with multi-gimmick um, uh, style matches so i think this is far from what we've seen uh between these two um my i guess my disconnect with the match was not the story that so it's more of the commentary in the background and i'm i'm usually more of a top fields fan than <laughs> that i'm gonna come on here but i just thought the way the commentary came off did not do that match any favors um, you know, looking at the ref doing a workout every time he's doing the count. Yeah. <laughs> like, he does the number and then he does, like, a, he leans down. He's doing a Hindu squat. <laughs> almost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, the, from transcribing the match and watching it back a second time, the story that they told about grit and just grinding and, you know, everything that they were talking about before this match happened, they hit that to T. It was a very physical match. 
But I, I can see where you come from. It was hard to not think about what Gargano and Tampa were doing while this match was going on. They're in the same conference room. Uh, <laughs> like, like you said, they're in the gym room. Uh, so I, I thought it was what it was. Uh, I, for anybody that was saying that, oh, this should have been 30 minutes, this could be 30 minutes whether it was in the stadium or not. I just thought the commentary did not do this match the justice it needed. No commentary was needed until the referee started ex- exercising his count. I think that's that's yeah, what. Yeah, we can hear his mic too. Yeah, <laughs> but he screams so we can hear him though. Yeah, I, I I thought that that was it was long for sure, but I don't think commentary was needed. And by the way, hats off to Tom Phillips and um, and his partner on the show. Uh, it, uh, defeat. Uh, I, trust me, I don't care if I didn't have to hear uh, the King over the weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Byron Saxton. I think you know what Saxton was solid, uh, and when he's not being made fun of, I think he did a nice job. Um, right. But, you know, so he was just so. We go to quickly the SmackDown Women's Championship. What stood out most about Bailey, Sasha, Lacey, and Tamina, along with Naomi? I thought I was finally getting to see the second gear in ring-wise from Lacey Evans. That's what stood out to me. Uh, this match was long. <laughs> I think this match went almost 20 minutes. And I got to give a shout-out to um, all the women that performed this weekend. I, I was counting up the time matches and the lengths. The women had in-ring time an hour and eight minutes over the two nights out of WrestleMania through the four matches that are on that card. And, um, you know, they're telling the story of Bailey and Sasha being friends. We had that one spot in the corner where Bailey does a knee strike on accident. Sasha's getting mad here. Everybody thought, oh, man, this is going to be it. Sasha's going to finally do the turn on Bailey. And then, you know, it was a ruse this entire time. I'll be honest with you, and we talked about this a few months ago, Bailey as a heel does absolutely nothing for me. I am not a fan of the Sasha Banks remix mm-hmm. <laughs> that she has. So this duo, I, I they're best friends, and I get that. But I was hoping for a new champ here. This was one of the matches I was more disappointed in. But, you know, get to see Tamina do what she does in the ring. She's a good wrestler. Uh, I like to see her more in the ring. Naomi's Naomi. We all know how good of a wrestler she is. But I thought Lacey Evans was the breakout star in this match. How about the Firefly Funhouse match with John Cena against The Fiend? And so, <laughs> just because it's the Firefly Funhouse, we don't know exactly what that means. Nobody Correct. knew what that mean, meant going into the match. So, does that something where it's stuffed in the ring? Is it an actual match? It was a happening. I don't even consider that a match. It was just something that was in Bray Wyatt's mind, character-wise, right? And, yeah. and for those that hated it, they got to understand, like, we've had a lot of whacked out ideas that's been uh, brought to the table. Stuff from Raven, stuff from Kevin Sullivan, just weird things that we have seen before in wrestling in the past. And so when I see this Firefly Funhouse, it's kind of, it's an happening. I don't consider this a match. It's just something where this is what is on his mind. I will tell you, the biggest pop for me was not Charlotte winning the NXT Championship, but just to just for a glimpse to see what John Cena would look like as a heel. Say, yes. for instance, he was in the NWO. Josh, I was like taken away, blown away by, wow, Cena would have been so great as a heel in one way, shape, or form 
I just thought that that was the the high spot, uh, one of the high spots of that match. The storytelling in this um, cinematic feature that we watched <clears throat> Sunday was some of the best that I've seen from WWE when it comes to just long-term storytelling. And this was the long-length mental breakdown and dissection of what John Cena was in the WWE and also what he is as a person. You know, I pop for the line where Bray is singing Nikki Bell's theme song. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and... Um, to get in that glimpse of what it would be like to see Cena embrace the dark side. Remember, we were talking about this whether uh, John Cena would beat the Fiend or would the Fiend get his uh, justice back for losing a WrestleMania 30? The Fiend, <laughs> the Fiend uh, paid the debt on Sunday. That's what happened. He, he, he even went back to his original Bray Wyatt gimmick and he's like, I'm going to rewrite my own story. And, you know, gave the flashbacks of every single failure Josh Cena's had his career from losing the title to Miz at WrestleMania. We even had a CM Punk uh, cameo in there, which I which caught me by surprise. Uh, I just thought the layout of it was really unique for what that match was supposed to be. And I, I got to give a lot of credit for John Cena and Bray Wyatt. That, that, that was storytelling 101, and I could be happy for Bray. Obviously, he ended up winning the match. But if you guys haven't watched WrestleMania, the Firefly Funhouse would be the first thing I watch, maybe besides Charlotte and Rhea Ripley. And the WWE Championship, you know, if it's Brock Lesnar and Drew McIntyre, it's going to be a quick match. And uh, so not a surprise there. If Brock's going to lose it, I'm going to lose it in five minutes. And so um, McIntyre becomes a champion. It's something that should have happened years ago. And I know that my friend Mark Henry and others say that it took, you know, it took Drew McIntyre some time to go away. Um, and as Jim Ross would say, you know, go away, learn a new hold. And so, he, and so Drew did that, you know, going overseas, going to, you know, Impact Wrestling, other places. And now it all culminates with him becoming the WWE champion. I'm very happy for him. I hope that they do uh, right by him, uh, by having him be the champion and be the man for a while. I hope everybody gets a chance to watch his Chronicle special that's available right now on the network. Uh, you want to see somebody who's been truly affected uh, from a professional and personal standpoint uh, from this pandemic. Check out Drew McIntyre. Uh, his his story is really unique going into this event um, this weekend. You know, they had a really nice humble moment right after he won the title. He's looking in the camera and saying thank you to everybody at home i thought that was really really uh touching and um you know something unique about brock lesnar man it's like i'm trying to remember a classic brock lesnar wrestlemania match besides kurt angle uh we had the stuff with goldberg or you know we have matches that are either flat or just short for whatever reason you know uh last year wrestlemania he starts off the show because he just wants to leave right <laughs> He knew he was losing the title, so he just, hey, we'll start off the show with Seth Rollins. Here you go. Here's the title. We had the matches with Roman Reigns. Uh, we had two Goldberg matches. That's something that another topic we got to talk about down the road is just how Brock Lesnar is presented at WrestleMania. I did not think this match was going to be four minutes and 30 seconds, nor did I think it was going to be 20 minutes, but that's something we should talk about down the road. Josh, as always, I appreciate you coming on the program on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. A thorough breakdown of uh, night one and night two of WrestleMania. Again, uh, you could follow Josh on Twitter at the Hoots Podcast. And don't forget to download and bookmark 
uh, ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Uh, all the wrestling that you need to know, Josh has it for you on ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Blow by blow, each show across the United States and the world. Josh, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Mustafi. There it is, Josh Lopez from ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. We thank you for being part of the program here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN Chicago app.